It's about time because we're going there. Well, today on the show, we have no other than the biblically literate, um, <laughs> beautiful and hair volumized Lisa Harper on the show today. You are so pathologically biased. I am so happy to see you and you, I'm so grateful you see me through such rose colored glasses. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Okay. For the podcast listeners, you might have to hop on over to YouTube because if you don't know, we also post these on YouTube with actual like video and I need you to take a look at Lisa Harper's hair. Okay. <laughs> okay. Tell them why I have volume. It is totally smoke and mirrors. It's smoke and mirrors why I have volume. Okay. But I have to tell them, I have to tell them this woman comes to us from the South. And if there's something that I love about the South is not only their inordinate love of how they love Jesus, but the volume of their hair, the higher the hair, the closer to God. That is it. Absolutely. Beth taught us all really well. And I mean, do not touch the hem of Beth's garment. I love her so much. Queen Mother Beth Moore for our podcast listeners who might not know. You know, I, I had a I've been in a little clean eating season, so I actually can wear pants with zippers now. But when I'm when I'm in a when I'm in a stretchy pants season, well, now I'm wearing stretchy pants with zippers. So at least I do have zippers. But when I'm in Progress. a solely stretchy pants season, I've found that my extremities will kind of kind of distract people from things I don't want them to focus on. And so I'm really good about hair volume and nails. And so yes, it is what yes. it is. Yeah. You know what? I empathize. I feel you. I have done that. Yes. Yes. And toenails. I've got some smoking toenails, baby. Okay, Lisa, I am so excited that you're on the show. And not just because you get to be here for the very first time, Mm -hmm. not only because people who might not be familiar with your beautiful, sultry Southern voice, Mm -hmm. but one of the things I really want to unpack, and not just from a listener's perspective, but from a Bianca perspective, you've been walking with Jesus for 50 years. Which is really impossible because you're 35. So I don't know how the math works Again. out, but. Oh, I love you. I so <laughs> love you, guys. And Bianca, it's actually 55 years. I turned 60 two weeks ago and I came to know Lisa. Jesus as my savior when I was five. So 55 years. And it's oh been, I, well, I won't, I won't, I won't rob you of where you're going, but I'm telling you. It has, no, let's go there. The show is called We're Going There. Go there, Lisa. Go there. You know, I came to know Jesus right after my dad left us. My my father walked away from my mom um, and myself and my sister and went to another woman he had fallen in love with, with a child. And, you know, no matter what you say um, in divorce with a kid, we always assume it was at least partly our fault. And mm-hmm. what became my internal narrative was if I had been sweeter or prettier or use my inside voice more. Dad wouldn't have left us to go to another family because he went to another family. Why wasn't I enough as a daughter to keep him with us? And soon after my dad left us, and I love my dad. He's with Jesus now. I don't want to in any way disparage my dad. But it it was a very acrimonious, awful divorce. And um, after he left us, my mom had to move us from the church I'd grown up in. Great church, pretty, pretty conservative. Um, that's actually, I like the word conservative. It was, um, it could be a little rigid, meant well, a little rigid. (laughs) And there were some women in this particular church who were really gifted at disguising gossip as prayer request. And so my mom, Mm -hmm. um, got, there was a lot of shade thrown at my mother after the divorce. And so she moved us to another church. I think she was just so ashamed and church just, instead of lifting her shame, the church we were in, um, made it heavier. 
And so we mm-hmm. went to this new church, and I can remember it like it was yesterday, 55 years ago. The new pastor I sat in, his name was Brother Jimmy. Little bitty church, you know, probably 200 people, center aisle, pews. I know your listeners skew so young and so cool. Pews are long wooden benches we used to sit on in church before we had coffee in the foyer and cup holders. Um, but he talked about how our Heavenly Father is a dad who doesn't walk out on his children. That if you put your hope in Jesus, mm. Heavenly Father will never turn his back on you. And I was so desperate for a dad who would stay that I was scared to death. You know, I was a little bitty. I didn't know this church. But after they sang, sang Just As I Am a lot, I walked forward because I was so compelled by that idea that I could have a dad who wouldn't leave me. And so I gave my heart to Jesus at a very uh, elementary level when I was a little girl. And as best I could understand, I knew I needed God. I I didn't know anything else, but I knew I needed God. And I believed him, I think, sincerely at five. I did not think a perfect God could delight in a dirty girl like me because there was already quite a bit of molestation in my story. And mm-hmm. so I I came to know Jesus 55 years ago. It has been a long unfolding because for decades, I didn't think a perfect God like that could delight and a damaged woman like me, I, I could believe the gospel for everybody else. I believed it salvifically. Jesus was my Savior. I didn't know what liberation looked like. The fact that he has been so kind. So when you say I've been walking with Jesus for 55 years, first of all, we need to qualify and say I've been wobbling, stumbling <laughs> uh, toward Jesus, with Jesus for for over half a century. He has carried me. He has just pulled me out of so many pits. I dug myself and slung me over his shoulder, carried me to a new place. I will tell you, and I think people need to hear this, especially women like you who still have tight skin and high metabolism. You need to hear from an old broad like me that it gets better. It doesn't get stiffer. It doesn't get staler. It gets better. I'm more in love with God and his word now at 60 than I've ever been. Mm. Lisa, the number one thing that people say when they walk out of listening to you teach the word of God is your profound ability to storytell. And I think that you have this beautiful ability of weaving in personal story into proclaiming the gospel in a way that we remember And during the course of this podcast, I just want you to be liberated and empowered to only tell stories (laughs) because people see Jesus when you tell stories. So in the 55 years that you have been walking with the Lord, or as you say, wobbling with the Lord, I understand the, where this came from the Genesis moment. The question I'm now asking, and this is where I think a lot of new Christians or long-term Christians, or even Christians like myself, who would consider myself to love the Lord and follow the Lord. We're going to go through moments where we just feel like following Jesus feels laborious. Following Jesus or reading his word, you know, is like cardboard. Um, on your podcast, which I love. And I, I, I listen to most podcasts when I go running and I listen to yours. And I remember one time I had to stop running and just walk because it was so good that running couldn't, I couldn't concentrate when I was running. So I just had to walk and I texted you. This was several months ago. Yeah. I don't remember this, but I texted you and thanked you for your podcast because it was so profound and how you have this insane ability to break down theology. So for somebody that's out, that's listening out there, that's like, okay, I love Jesus. Yeah. I said yes to Jesus in vacation Bible school when I was seven, when I was 12, when I was 15, sure. when I was 24, but right. I'm 
been walking with the Lord for 10, 15, 20 years. I'm tired. I'm burned mm-hmm. out. How do you, how do we as Christ followers reignite mm-hmm. that Jesus love that just oozes from your pores? I, can I tell you again how much I love you? You are so brilliant and you're such a Barnabas. You are so kind to the rest of us. And I think all too often women, what? especially women in Western culture, because we've lost our our honest desperation for community. And I think women as a whole tend to kind of privatize relationship with God. Western culture does yeah. that, but women too tend to privatize and cannibalize. And and I think there's a lot of women who think there's no such thing as safety. I can have fun. I can talk about hair and nails, but but I don't know that I can really trust the broken places in me with another Christian mm. woman because all too often, like women did with my mom, they 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 take parts of my story and exploit it so they'll feel mm. a little better about themselves. I love that you don't do that. I love that you're such a cheerleader for the rest of us and you never exploit because you know where some some of the dead bodies are in my life. And so <laughs> thank you for seeing me through the lens of grace. Thank you, friend. Um, I um well, now I got so excited about you, I almost forgot the question. The the question is, what do we do to reinvigorate? We walk with the Lord for a while. Fresh? Yeah, how do we um, stay fresh? I think we forget that God is not a proposition to be studied. He's a person with whom we engage. And he tells us that. Wait, say it twice because it was nice, baby. <laughs> say it again. God is not a proposition to be studied. He's a person with whom we engage. And he tells us that at the very beginning, when he tells us he's an us, very beginning of the book, Genesis, he says, I'm a Trinitarian God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So Augustine says, the Christian God is the only God who exists in a perfect community within himself. You know, the word we get uh, choreography from, dancing, it's not a perfect application to say God is a dance, but it's more he's a constant circular motion. So he's not the static esoteric proposition to be studied. He's not contrary to modern culture and existential construct. He is a person, holy, Mm -hmm. divine, transcendent, but he condescends so that we can have relationship with him. He didn't reveal himself in whale songs. He didn't reveal himself in astronomy. (laughs) He came embodied in Jesus Christ. Jesus engages with people. He's not a far away high priest. He's an empathetic high priest. So from the beginning to the end of the book, what God is saying over and over again is, I want to engage with you. And again, I don't want to just diss Western culture, but when I go to other countries, they have an easier time because they don't put such a high value on cognitive information. They have an easier time with experiential faith. You know, for years, Bianca, I wouldn't talk about my feelings because I grew up thinking, well, first of all, I thought the only feelings that we could have in a Christian environment were the perky ones, kind of the happy, clappy feelings. (laughs) And I didn't know where to put the sad heart. I didn't know where to say, I love God and I am so tired of being a Christian. I am bored out of my mind. The Bible's, I, I didn't know where to go with that. I thought that would somehow hurt God's reputation. So I would curate my emotions And it's been being around other believers who have this passionate relationship with God. I'm taking a rabbit trail, but I think this is redemptive. You would have died over this. I mean, I almost lost my mind. I got to spend most of the day, or at least all the afternoon, on Tuesday with Dr. Craig Keener. 
He is one of the world's four most yes. authorities on the New Testament. I mean, Bianca, we were talking about something to do with a birth in the Bible, and he started talking about a second century Greek text on gynecology. He had read Wait, what? so that he would have more context about this one verse about a birth in the New Testament. I'm like, oh my heavens to Betsy. Like the things he reads and studies, he's he was studying to be an astrophysicist before God just just wow. intersected his life with the gospel and he he came to know the Lord and has become a scholar. I mean he's he's brilliant. Some of my favorite commentaries. And he has a book called Spirit Hermeneutics. So he proves too, you don't have to be rigid and love God. You can be wiggly and be serious about your faith and serious about the Bible. But we talked to him for hours. Do you know what he kept coming back to? He wept. I mean, I was a puddle. He kept coming back to the love of God, to the relationship he had with Jesus. He could have, he could speak to any symposium of academics about the syntax of the Greek, about the Septuagint, about historical context. He knows more than the majority of people in any room and what he's absolutely preoccupied with. And he he would weep when he'd talk about the love of Christ. Friends, I'm interrupting this podcast because if you know me, I love a good smelling house. Not only do I love a good smelling house, I love when things also help the environment. They're on a mission to help eliminate single-use candle vessels and give home fragrance lovers a more earth-friendly option without giving up beautiful, high-quality fragrance. The candle industry has major problems. Almost 2 billion candles are sold globally each year, and almost all of them are likely to end up in landfills for the next 1 million years. Yes, you heard me right. 1 million. Nose has created a refillable candle system that allows you to use your candle vessel again and again and again so you don't have to become part of the problem. It's so easy to use, friends. The candles are made with fragrance wax beads. All you have to do is place the wick in your reusable notes jar, fill it up with the wax beads, enjoy your fragrance for up to 36 hours, and then all you have to do is do the exact same thing over again. Yes, I've been loving burning the Santal and Atlas cedar scents. They're some of my favorites. It's calming and woodsy and luxurious. I'm obsessed. I love it. There's a bunch of other fragrances, and I'm sure that you will find one that fits your fancy. You can build your custom starter kit right now. Notes is giving listeners 15% off and free shipping when you buy Notes starter kit using the code going there. Yep, just use the code going there when placing your order. That's going there at notescandle.com backslash going there. I think I spent so many years posing because I was afraid, afraid somebody would look under the hood of my life and find me wanting. I felt yeah. like a fraud all the time. Didn't matter how long I'd spent in seminary. I felt like a total poser. And so I spun plates for a long time, hiding behind big words about God I had studied. And it really wasn't until God graciously knocked the legs out from under my stool and he just told me, you've been running scared your whole life. I think shame and fear are, you see those in the garden. Those are two of the first emotions you see in the garden. I think it's a, I think they're a pretty common denominator in humanity. And so again, I knew Jesus, but I was ruled more by shame and fear than Holy Spirit. Yeah. And it really wasn't until I collapsed and I couldn't carry the weight of my own life anymore. And really, all I could do was be held by Jesus in the dark. Mm. That's where my faith became so real. 
I don't get bored anymore. I'm not bored with you. I don't see you enough. I love you. I love hearing what's going on in your life. I love hearing about what you're saying because I love you. Why would we not have that same kind of vibrancy Mm. in our relationship with Jesus Christ? So if the Bible's boring you right now, close your Bible for a while. Take a walk with Jesus. Tell him how you feel. He is a kind God. And say, you know, Jesus, I know you're real, but I need you to reveal yourself to me. I need to be held. I need you to, to intersect my thoughts. I'm too in my head. Would you remind me that you made our heart and our brain to be synergistic? I'm not supposed to be divorced from my heart, no matter what well-intentioned Bible teachers have said. You want me to bring all my feelings before you. And I think when I stop being so scared that I wasn't enough, and I begin to believe in all of my frailty and all of my posing and all of my fear, he chooses to call me his beloved. I'm his favorite. You are too. When I begin to, I don't know, just lean into the affection of God, just changed everything. So you said something and I want to pause and kind of go back to it because there's somebody out there that's a little bit freaked out when you said, put the Bible down. So (laughs) um, I am a recovering legalist. I say this often. And I actually have gone back to reading the one-year Bible just because I needed that very like structured approach to spending time with God. Okay. This is a two-part question. Number one, there's theology around this that I want you to break down in as simple form as possible. But sometimes um, maybe growing up in church or if anyone has a background like me, when we talk about like having devotional time, time or spending time with Jesus, it's always with your Bible and a highlighter and a notebook and like what the spirit of God is talking to you about. So when you say put your Bible down, can you theologically walk us through what does spending time with Jesus look like? Yeah, I should qualify that. I'm a Bible banger. Yes, you are. I love God's word. But And for anyone out there that hasn't heard your podcast, it's a whole theology mm-hmm. podcast, but it's like armchair theology. It's like make you make it we so practical. It I love porch it. theology because yes. you know, in the South, the front porch is where you want it to be pretty. You want it to look like Chip and Joanna <laughs> on the front because neighbors drive by. Back porch is where you unzip your pants and you drink sweet tea. That's where <laughs> your real friends hang out. And and even the word theology sounds like an old man with black socks in a dusty office. You know, our stereotype, negative stereotype of theology is it's dry, it's arcane, it's elitist. It's a bunch of multisyllabic words I don't understand. But when you break down even the term theology, teos stands for God. Logos means words or conversations. So theology is not even a subject matter. It's a lifestyle. Theology is having conversations about God. We're all theologians. Mm. An agnostic is a theologian because they've they've come up with a, a narrative about God in their mind that he doesn't exist. You've got theologians that are really cruddy theologians because they don't base their understanding about God in the way he's revealed himself to us, which is through his word and through his spirit. But I had to unlearn a lot of theology, a lot of what I assumed to be true. I would be careful of anybody who says, the Bible says And then the next thing they say is meant to shame you. And they're using the Bible as a club. The Bible was never intended to be used as a club. The Bible is, um, it's not a rule book. It's not a textbook. At its core, it's a love story. We can't understand some of it because it's not simplistic. That's why when people throw memes up on Instagram, I want to go, golly, golly, be careful. Because if you take some verses out of context, 
shoo, you're going to go in the wrong direction really, really fast. But sometimes I tell people, if you only engage with the Bible with a notebook and a highlighter, how would it feel like if your best friend sat across from Mm. you over, you know, a bowl of queso and a basket of chips or three or four (laughs) and some fresh tortillas and sliced avocado while you're at it? And you hadn't, you hadn't talked to me, you hadn't shared your heart in a week and you're used to talking every day and you've got so much you want to catch up on and what happened with your husband or the guy you're dating or, or how you're not dating or your elastic pants or your, where you're still dealing with old mom wombs or how your kid is not rising up calling you. You've got all this stuff you want to share. And they said, okay, just a minute. And they opened the page and pulled out a highlighter and said, wait, just a moment. You'd be like, this is gross. You're not looking at me. You're not hearing my heart. This feels this feels absolutely segregated yeah. from my heart. I feel like you're conducting an interview and you don't like even your subject matter. Oof. Sometimes I think we do that with God. He becomes it becomes dutiful. If you are reading the Bible and it's to check off some proverbial list so that you can have finished that 15 minute quiet time, I'm like, oh my heavens to Betsy, that, that doesn't work. You're going to continue to have a dry, soulless existence with the creator of the universe, who is the most exciting, passionate, engaging, wonderful, forgiving, animated, perfect being. And you're going to come to him with a notebook and a highlighter. Mm. Now, mind you, I love to study. I will spend hours rabbit trailing into some word I've discovered in the original text that I go, oh, that changes the whole story. And when you find out that the woman in Luke 7 who washed his feet with her tears and dried them with her hair and how, how seductive that was. I mean, you find out that story and then you go, oh, snap. Scholars now think she was a human trafficking victim. Golly jeepers, that changes the whole story. Oh my goodness, it happened outside in a garden. It wasn't inside. Oh, wow. You find out that the woman at the well, she was in a sleaze bucket. You know, we think she's so sleazy. To be married five times, if you understand dowry and rights and inheritance rights in the first century, she couldn't have been sleazy because according to inheritance law, no man would give a woman a marriage certificate which denoted property disbursement in the first century in Semitic culture who had been divorced because that was too much of a risk financially. They might have slept with her. They wouldn't have married her. She was married five times. The only thing that makes sense in that story now, most conservative, and that I mean by that, that they believe the Bible from cover to cover. They don't cut and paste. Most scholars think that she likely struggled with infertility. Because that's the most common reason for divorce in the first century in Semitic culture. And so you go, okay, so she's not sleazy, but she's still at the well in the heat of the day. Everybody else thought there was something wrong with her because it was such a misogynistic culture. And it says Jesus had to go through Samaria. No, he didn't. Look at a map in the back of your Bible. No, he didn't. It's not a geographical detail. It's a detail of his his compassion. He knew who was at the well. He knew mm-hmm. who'd been ostracized, and it probably wasn't her fault. He knew who'd been kicked to the curb. He knew she was living with a guy who wouldn't do her the dignity of putting a ring on it. That, you only get those details from study. So I'm not saying don't study the Bible. 
I'm saying if you're looking at this as a textbook, you're going to miss it. If you look at this as a journal, if you look at this as a love story, oh my heavens, then you can't wait to get back to it. I, more so than you, Bianca, I've been around you. Um, You're not a recovering legalist, I don't think. I just think (laughs) God gave you a really, really big brain. And it took a while for, for your brain and your heart and your passion for Jesus and your love for people and your authenticity to all be running in the same direction. It's like you had five thoroughbreds in who you are as Bianca and, and to get them all running on the same track just took a little bit of maturity. I was more of a recovering Pharisee than you are. I've been around you. I know your heart. I know how hard you hug. I know how honest you are when I have proverbial spinach in my teeth. It took me a, a long time to go studying the Bible isn't so you'll be impressed with me because I know something. Mm-hmm. Studying the Bible so I'll fall further in love with Jesus. And that's what I say when I say close your Bible. I'm not saying close it indefinitely. I'm saying if you're approaching Scripture as, again, a proposition to be studied instead of a relationship with a God who loves you more than you could possibly ask or imagine, for a short season, maybe get out of systematic theology. Maybe go to the Psalms, because the Psalms is a journal. It's as, you know, John Calvin called it an anatomy of all parts of the soul. You'll be a little more honest if you dive into the Psalms than you will be if you're taking a broken heart that you're not honest about systematic theology so you can spout things that sound smart to other Christians. So, um, it, you know, if you've got theology that causes you to sec- secretly wonder if God is punitive or how he could possibly be in love with you, you need to unlearn that. Mm-hmm. And so let him do work on the inside of you that's still scared before you try to slap verses on Instagram and pretend like you know something. So I'm not, I couldn't have organized this any better, but I love the word of God. You know, I love the word of God. And I know that there are times where I personally have just felt like it's, it's, it's tiresome. Reading the word of God is tiresome. You have a devotional that's just come out and now this feels like a marketing pitch, but it's not. I'm literally holding it (laughs) in my hands right now. Jesus, a scandalously devoted, conspicuously uncool, super transparent homage to who our Savior is and how much he loves us. This is a 60-day devotional that I love so much. I'm not giving away one. I'm giving away two of these devotionals to our podcast listeners because, Lisa, I do believe there's people out there that they love the Lord, but they just come in a moment where it feels spiritually dry. And you've just released people. You've given us permission. I remember 10 years ago, a woman, no, golly, 15 years ago, a woman that I that went to my father's church, we were talking about the Bible and she said, Bianca, I think you need to stop reading your Bible. And I was so offended. I'm like, what are you talking <laughs> about? Stop reading the Bible. Strike. I know. Oh yeah. yeah. I'm a rule follower, Lisa Harper. Yeah. No way. And she said, what I want you to do is I want you to start this simple devotional. It was Jesus calling. And she's mm. like, I just want you to do it for a month. Just take a month off. Bianca, you've been reading the word of God for years. Take a month off and just find a different way to intimately connect yeah. with the Lord. And so for somebody out there that maybe is like, like me and feels fearful of like, wait, I don't read my Bible. I'm going to encourage you. Lisa has this devotional. It's a 60 day devotional. You can pick it up anywhere. Fine books are sold as well as Amazon and target.com. But for two lucky winners, I do want to give this book away because Lisa, I think that you, you don't just write beautifully. You live beautifully. Mm -hmm. And so much of your 
uh, writing inspires me to love Jesus more and to love his word more. I am a listener to your podcast. I am a fan of your podcast. And there's so many resources that people can discover and learn more about you at lisaharper.org. But of course, on social media, it's Lisa D. Harper. Again, <laughs> this devotional is a giveaway for two lucky winners who tag at Lisa D. Harper and at Bianca Oltoff. There's a D because, you know, there's people who have similar names as ours who don't wear quite as many clothes. And so that's why the D. The D is not that impressive. This is important to note. This is important to know. Right. Okay, so great. That, Lisa that's the reason D. for the D is Yes, D as in Deborah, like the prophet Deborah, Lisa D. Harper on social media. You could tag her, you could tag me. And two uh, amazing listeners will be blessed with this book. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll, actually, I'm going to throw in my book, Grit Don't Quit, as well. Oh, because I love your I, book. I just I love oh, your book. It's thanks, so good. Lisa. Thank you. You're Thank so you. good with titles. Well, you're good with everything, but I love the way your brain works because it gives me hooks to hang on to things. Honestly, it's just practical. So between between your book of being very spiritual and falling in love with Jesus, my book being very practical, I want to give two lucky winners that. Lisa, I appreciate your time. I appreciate Mm -hmm. your insight. I appreciate the way that you love and the way that you live. I said that offline, Mm -hmm. but I will say that online as well. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for pouring into our community. And I'll also include a link to in the show notes to your podcast because I want people to learn more about theology. Uh, You do such a beautiful job at that. So Lisa, so good seeing you. Thank you for imparting. For our podcast listeners, if you want more or not to miss any episodes, you can go ahead and subscribe and leave a positive comment and and review. If you don't like the show, my name is Lisa D. Harper. That's right. That's right. Or Ann Voskamp. V-O-S-K-A-P. Voskamp. Okay. I have one last question I need to ask you as, oh, as, a, yes. as a Bible sage and an amazing preacher chick. When you come to Nashville the next time, I want you to come to Krigma and I want you to share your wisdom. But this is very, very spiritual. I would die. I would die. Podcast listeners, you heard this. Oh my gosh. Oh, 100%. We want you to come. We don't have enough young, fiery preacher chicks. And no, I 100%, I'm going to send you a little formal invitation. But this is part of that. And this is somewhere in Deuteronomy or Leviticus. When, when, not if, when you come to Nashville, will you please teach me how to do my eye makeup? Because I... I feel so janky when I look at your eyes. I'm like, I've never seen be- more beautiful eyes. It's like you have Song of Solomon eyes. You have the Lisa most amazing Harper, eyes. And I'm like, Lisa Harper, I, can I please do your makeup? I would die. I need I would lashes. die. I, I would love it. So Wait a minute. Do you know Do you know when I worked for Chris? So for those that don't know, I'm listening to I worked. I worked for Christine Kane for six and a half years. Chris doesn't and- wear makeup. Well, but she tried to go on camera and I was like, Christine, we need some concealer. We need a little blush. We need a little, we need a little something, something. Come on, come on. on. Listen, if your cheekbones don't. Not to hide, to amplify. No, this is what I say. I want a sure and solid foundation in Jesus as well as foundation for my skin. Okay. Cause I'm getting old. I need to cover it. I want my highlighter to bring glory to God. I, like I want it. my cheeks like to it. lift it. I want to blink and I want you to feel the Holy Spirit with my I eyelashes. Like it. Uh, yeah. Because he's Numa. He's wind. He wins, and you're baby, just, wind. it's just an illustration. It's a practical illustration of Numa. Listen, when you blink. listen, hold on. This is on the podcast. This is going to be kept in the podcast. Lisa D. Harper. I'm doing your makeup and it's going to be okay. so subtle. It's going to be so light, but you're going to look golden and bronzy. You're coming to Kerygma first and then you're doing my makeup. We have it right here. Y'all, this is it's documented. This is it's documented. documented. So Bianca Oltoff oh is my God, coming to Kerygma April 2024. And I'm going to look the hottest a 60-year-old yes. stretchy yes. pants woman <laughs> can possibly look because Bianca is going to prepare me. 
April's my birthday month. So you just blessed me with my birthday gift. I'm, I'm doing it. I have to. You're okay. In. Lisa D. Harper, I freaking love you. Thank you for being on the show. I appreciate you. I love you. Thank you so much.